I, I think the reason why we just haven't um, repeated anything uh-huh. is because, you know, that's kind of, the, if, if it were me, if I were, again, if I were patronizing this place, right. if you make a good beer, yeah. then chances are you could probably make another beer that's also good yeah. that I could relate with, but it doesn't have to be the exact same beer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hello, thank you for tuning in again. I am at BC Brewery in beautiful Hunt Valley in Cockeysville, Maryland, and I'm about to speak to Rich Mack, owner-operator of this great new establishment. My name is Howard Fletcher, and this here podcast is called The Number One Two. Why don't I go downtown for a bucket of neck Mac and cheese in the side of I want to go downtown for a bucket of deck bones They're right next door to the Tasty Free BC Brewery first opens its doors in April of this year, 2018. It's the vision of owner Rich Mack, who uh, is relatively new to the area, as you'll hear and uh, saw this as something that could do quite well in this location and I think he got it right. So with no further ado, I will let him tell you the story. This is my conversation with Rich Mack. I hope you enjoy it. Oh, one more thing. As you know, I like to record these things at the establishment. So we're at the brewery. You'll hear a lot of action going on in the background. That's just how busy it is. Enjoy. All right, well, I'm here at uh, BC Brewery with uh, the owner, Rich Mack. Uh, I'd like to welcome Rich to the show. Thank you. Okay. Um, Rich, uh, before we start, i like to get a little background about you, uh, where you're from, okay. uh, your background in beer. Why are you in this business? Got it. Uh, background, uh, let's see. Uh, moved to Maryland in 2015 mm-hmm. from uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Oh, wow. Yeah. My, uh, we moved here actually from my wife's job. My wife works for uh, Kennedy Krieger mm-hmm. Institute. And yeah, so we moved here for her job, and uh, you know, um, actually we moved over to uh, Mays Chapel area. We were uh, renting a townhouse at the time mm-hmm. before we uh, could, you know, did a lot of house hunting, didn't find anything we liked, and it was, you know, getting to the point where we had to move, had to, you know, had to, you know, she had to start her job and everything. Actually, she started her job like she was here for like six months before like the rest of us moved up, mm-hmm. you know, so. Um, anyhow, they, um, you know, we, actually, we moved over to uh, Mays Chapel, renting a townhouse, you know, while we were searching for a home. And, uh, you know, at the time, it was, you know, we had a lot of, when we came from, from Chattanooga, we actually lived uh, in, like, kind of like the suburban area of downtown. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it would be the equivalent of, I'd say, like, Fed Hill is to theater harbor right now okay. you know so because we're you know walking distance to downtown and everything yeah so um you know so i was you know when we got here i was just like where can we go get some craft beer and a burger or something like that you know yeah. and and uh unfortunately was very disappointed in the options yeah did you either of you have any roots here before no okay. no okay. nope okay nope. Are you from tennessee or what part of the country are you from? uh i'm actually i'd have to say i grew up in alabama Wow. Yeah. 
and uh, I'm just saying, wow, because you know, I went to school in the Deep South. You don't strike me as a Southerner. Yeah. So yeah, I actually went to Auburn. Okay. And, uh, went to Georgia Tech. Yeah. So um, yeah, I went to I graduated from Auburn, chemical engineering degree. Right. Okay. So okay. Uh, did that for a few years, uh, seven years. Uh, had to do a lot of traveling and so forth. Oh. For project man did a lot of project management. So. Um, lots of plant construction. I worked in the gas industry, so yeah. um, got tired. You know, just tired of being on the road all the time. Yeah. You know, because you know it's kind of it's, it's, it's you know it's the way most businesses are. Well, you know, same same problem you have here, or, or same thing. You know, everything kind of falls on you. Whereas if you're good at project management, guess what? You get all the projects. Right. Right. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, I ended up um, just wanting to get out of that and. Uh, you know, spending nine months out of the year on the road is tough, you know. So when did you first start brewing? You said you're a chemical engineer. Yeah. Maybe I see where that goes together. But uh. Well, you know, I actually didn't start brewing until I moved to Maryland. Okay. Yeah, when I moved here, the, the business that I was in, or the business that I had, um, allowed me to work from home. Because mm -hmm. I did all the financials uh, for my, I, I, I had left, I've been an entrepreneur now for, already the last 16 years mm -hmm. and um, had a small business that I kind of did all the, the financials for and I didn't have to be present I didn't have to be the, my company was still in Chattanooga mm. so I could relocate and not have to like sell my business and everything nice. so um, so I just did it from here remotely and then we ended up selling that business mm. in so we moved here in March of 2015 I sold that business uh, October of 2016 is when the uh, the uh, all the papers were signed, and I was out. It, there was no like, well, you need to keep you know working for a year. It was like October third, I signed the papers. October fourth, I'm unemployed. Right. You know, so that's uh, that's how it turned out. Yeah. And uh, so after that, um, you know, actually since I moved up here, mm -hmm. the craft brewing scene. Uh, definitely there were a lot more clubs. I mean, if you start counting the number of uh, homebrew clubs in and around uh, just Baltimore area, yeah. oh, you'll find a dozen, Yeah. you know. And, um, I mean, in Chattanooga, we didn't have a single homebrew club. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Whereas, and, and, you know, I've been, I, you know, I'd say my introduction to craft beer probably started around 2010, probably, mm -hmm. because... Um, uh, had a, a acquaintance that became a good friend who opened a uh, craft beer bar. I mean, literally down the street from my house. Nice. Um, probably 200 yards from my house. So, you know, down at the end of the street, uh -huh. end of the block. And, uh, you know, became good friends, you know, obviously frequented the place a lot. And, you know, I, I got a kegerator. And, you know, or I built my own kegerator. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, well, if you want beer, you know, he's like, I'm getting beer from everywhere. You know, and then it was like getting like a keg of Sierra Nevada pale ale was, you know, craft beer, right, you know. Right. <laughs> and, and, then, and that was tough to get. Now, was he brewing his own, any or he was just No, no, no. He was, he was just, just, a, he was just craft a craft beer bar. Okay. That's it. Okay. You know, getting kegs from like Lagunitas and, right. you know, trying to get them from any, anywhere he could, mm -hmm. you know. And, you know, he's doing a great business because yeah. he's got this little beer tavern in a residential area and uh, oh, his tap his tap room was 
thousand square feet tops. Wow. You know, so you, as you can imagine, packing it was not very difficult. <laughs> so every night, every he was night packed. Every night, he was packed, right? Yep. Right. Every night, standing room only. Right. So anyway, he started letting me buy kegs from him and so forth. So, you know, um, you know, started being able to try some different stuff. And, like, some of the more memorable stuff was, like, uh, like uh, I remember, like, getting kegs of, like, Shaffley Brewing, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. I think, in St. Louis yes. area, I think. And... Uh, you know, of course, Lagunitas, and uh, and then started getting some kegs local. More, you know, as the years go by, you know, the number of breweries started increasing. So, never brewed beer though. Okay. Always just getting six dolls from him, you know, and he'd give them to me at his cost. Right. You know, and I would help him out with stuff. Right. Um, but you were you developing know. your palate back then, though. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, anyhow, we, um, you know, when I moved here, I was like, you know didn't have to go to work every day and <laughs> truthfully I didn't really work that much anyway so right. I was like um, what kind of hobby can I look up and I started looking into homebrewing okay. and then I met up with because uh, you know as far as local to this area there's a homebrew club club called uh, Brutherville Labs mm-hmm. which uh, the most of the not everybody but a good percentage probably 75% uh, all live like you know within like from the brewery like they live within, you know, five five mile radius, and they're all in Brutherville. Okay. So and this is like 2016. This is 2015. 2015. Yeah. Okay. I pretty much like by summer. Okay. Uh, well, actually, no. The moment I moved here, I was just trying to find, you know, because you know, I don't. We don't know anybody. Right. We're not from here. Of course. So um, anyway, I got to brew my first beer with them. Like I remember my first like. Uh, experience of brewing beer was like uh, at Nepenthe they had a uh, big uh, uh, what they call every year they do this thing called a big brew mm-hmm. which is like a national home brewing uh, event where they try to get like every homebrew club to brew on that day and they uh, hosted uh, the big brew uh, I think it was like in May uh, end of May because it was hot and uh, out in their parking lot and I actually I didn't brew my own beer I brewed with somebody and then I actually didn't brew my first beer until like, say like July. Oh, okay. And so, uh, and that still wasn't my own beer. I actually brewed it at one of the guys in the club at his house. Right. Because I didn't have any equipment. Sure. You know, I mean, even to become a home brewer, you know, you gotta buy, you gotta buy some some stuff. You right. Know? Right. You don't have to buy a ton of stuff. Right. And most people start like stovetop. Yeah. You know, with their with their pot that boils pasta. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, no, I have, uh, I have some family members who do it. So, yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know, it was, uh, and, you know, once I just started getting into it, it was, it was, you know, I'm, I'm a hophead. That's my right. tendency is okay. to go to, like, IPAs and everything. So, um, anyhow, that's pretty much my home brewing, and then started brewing beer and, uh, um, so let's fast forward. You, yeah. you said you, you moved in here. You are in a suburban setting. Yeah. And you're saying, wow, there's no, it's not like Chattanooga where I could just walk down the street and talk to my, you know, go to my yeah. friend's bar. So when did you first have the idea that, hey, I'll be that guy who will. Well, I mean, it all really happened after. Um, so I sold my business in October of 2016. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I didn't hit the lottery, mm-hmm. but. I got a decent payout. Sure. So, uh, and um, let's see. So I'm 46 now. I was 44 then, mm-hmm. and I was like, 
all right, what am I going to do? Because yeah. I'm not old enough to retire, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so, and my wife's got a full-time job, so it's not like, you know, oh, great, I can go do a bunch of trips by myself, right. you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I have kids in school, right? So mm-hmm. it's, um, so anyway, you know, I started putting my resume out and looking around, and uh, so this is October. Mm-hmm. So let's fast forward to April okay. of 2017. Wow. April of 2017, uh, there is a homebrew uh, club event. So independent brewing in Bel Air, they'll do this uh, thing called a wart challenge. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they invite a bunch of homebrewers to come in. They'll brew a batch, uh, I think they have a seven barrel system. They'll brew seven barrels of beer. And then you can come in and get five gallons of it, and I think they charge like twenty bucks for you to, and you know, for twenty dollars, you know, for somebody, all you do is come in with a five-gallon bucket and pick it up. Oh, it's, a, it's a deal, right? Because you would spend thirty bucks on materials alone, and then you still got to brew the beer, right? I mean, all you do is, and then basically you get to go take it home, hop it. You can boil it again if you want to. You can uh, pick what strain of you. Actually, they, they try to come up with some criteria. Uh-huh. To like so that you know, and basically six, eight weeks later, you come back in and let's judge the beer that you made. Right. So we all gave everybody the same base beer. How did you, you know, what did you do with it? So I went and got five gallons, and uh, I actually didn't have any intention on bringing any beer back. I just wanted five <laughs> gallons of cheap beer, <laughs> right. you know. So, um, and anyhow, um, this is on a Tuesday night. Okay. You know, they're open seven days. Okay. So uh, this is on a Tuesday night. We're in, you know, there's about from, from Brutherville, you know, we all decided to all, you know, meet up there because it's a hall, Bel Air from here, yeah. you know, it's 20 miles mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we, no, it's about 17 miles. So, I take by it. so anyway, we, you know, we all, we're all sitting around, we all got our buckets of, you know, beer in the car. So we're, we're here, might as well drink some beer. Right. And it's Tuesday night and Independence got I think about a 2,300 square foot tap room mm-hmm. and it is packed. I mean, Howard, it is like. Tuesday night in Bel Air and yeah. it's packed. Yeah. And you know, so I'm just standing around. Oh, we're sitting there like tables kind of I'm sitting in the high tops and I'm looking around. I'm going, if you can pack this, this tap room in Bel Air on a Tuesday night, how the hell can you not pack a tap room in Hunt Valley or Cockeysville? Right. Because there's 10 times the population. Right. You know, and you know, I was like, sorry, the numbers are there. Yeah. So the next morning, I told my <laughs> wife, I was like, I know, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go open a brewery. Oh, wow. And that was it. That was October the 8th. Uh, sorry, that was April the 18th of 2017. And we opened our doors April the 14th of 2018. Right. I knew you opened in April. I was thinking when you're telling the story, wow, that was just a year ago from the time you opened. From the time of inception. Yeah. Like the time of saying, I want to, this is what we want to do. So there you go. Well, you are definitely a quick study. I'll say that because I was, I walked in this place just Sunday for the first time. And uh, I was, I'm very surprised to hear that you're not, neither you nor your wife are from Maryland Mm -hmm. because I think uh, being a Marylander, uh, uh, we always appreciate our flag. <laughs> we always appreciate places that acknowledge the state, and you've done a very good job of doing that. But uh, for those of you who are listening who haven't been here, and I really encourage you to come, it was about 
12,000 square feet that the I see? The whole space is 12,200 square feet, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a really large space. Your, your tap room at proper is pretty, it's large. I mean, you, some of that space is take, taken up by your, your brewing tanks. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and you have, you know, I saw that you have the cornhole set up and the darts and, and the ping pong table. And the flat screens, it's an excellent place to sit down and enjoy some beer. So, uh, and I'm from what I could see on Sunday, and from what you were saying from your business plan, I'm imagine you've done quite well so far. Um, we've done we've done great. I mean, I've I've been. Um, I tell you what, I I have uh, I've taken a very um, field of dreams approach with this place, mm -hmm. which is basically build it and they will come. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, you know, because like I said, the the numbers are there. It's not like I'm building this thing. It's not like I'm a farm brewery, and I'm right. I'm because you know, everybody says the same thing. I can't believe how big your tap room is. Yeah. And it's like, boy, I hope you can fill it. Yeah. And the answer is, it gets filled. Oh yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> as as somebody on the consumer end, and uh, you know, I shared with you that I'm I'm more of a winery guy than a, than a craft brewing guy. But when I go out to places to enjoy whatever it is I'm gonna do for leisure I like space yeah. I'm a child of the 70s yeah, I now say I am I mean you know and I, I see some of these younger people downtown and I've noticed downtown in DC I you know I still live in Georgetown the spaces have gotten smaller yeah. and smaller and that's a function I understand because I 20-year career in real estate it comes from leases from right. commercial leases it's expensive to have but uh, I think that when you come in here and you see that you have spaces to spread out, enjoy, you know, you and your company can enjoy yourselves and not be cramped. I would, I would think it would lend itself to staying longer, you know. I think, I think what's been probably the, um, probably the biggest factor is just, um, I think just having a, a, an idea of kind of like what your clients, I mean, I, I look at this whole place as basically if I were to be a patron, you know. So, you know, I'll give you a really good example. You come in here on a Saturday or Sunday, and you'll see, like, with small kids, mm -hmm. 10 to 15 families in here. Yeah. And, you know, they got their two-year-olds or their one-year-olds, and, you know, they'll say, hey, let's all meet here, and you'll have one table that's got three families. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, we try to accommodate it to have some space for, you know, uh, people to have, uh, you know, let their kids kind of roam a little bit. Sometimes parents are a little too free with their kids, and uh, you know, but we are a brewery, not a uh, not a babysitter, right? Right. You know, right. but uh, or a preschool, but right. you know, for the most part, you know, the parents are, uh, you know, they're keeping an eye on them and they're engaging with them. And we try to keep an area for them to do that, and right. and you know, and that's probably probably the main thing is being able to have a place that's as accommodating as possible mm -hmm. because I know there are breweries out there that say, oh, you're here with your kids. Sorry, you can't come in. Yeah. You know, yeah. literally, yeah. no, we just don't want kids. Right. And I, and I saw that you are pet friendly as well. Yeah. 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 That's funny. They'll, they'll all allow dogs, but they won't allow yeah, kids. Yeah. Right. Right. But that's a, that's a big, that's a big deal. So um, one thing, you know, when I, I speak to, uh, especially I hate keeping going back to the winery thing, but I talk to a lot of them. Sure. Uh, when I asked them about uh, what advice would you give somebody who likes wine, is oh, I want to open a winery. Mm -hmm. the, without a doubt, it seems like the first thing out of their mouth is, 
go find somebody who knows what they're doing when they're making wine. Sure, and absolutely. when I was doing a little research and reading about you guys mm -hmm. on your website mm -hmm. and uh, some of the, the articles that have been, about, uh, been printed about this place, you did just that. You went out and got a, 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 I mean, a brewer. Is I'll, that correct? I'll tell you, though, Howard, that wasn't the original plan. Okay. That just happened to be, you know, I think it was very serendipitous as far as being able to find Jim because mm -hmm. it was not. The original plan was, well, I guess, you know, we'll just start brewing beer and, and kind of wing it and see right. how things go. And, right. and uh, like I said, it just happened to work out. Yeah, it, it was not. It was not the original plan. So, and Jim is Jim Wagner. Yes. Okay. Um, you have quite a number of beers here, and I want to mention this wall of yours that you have because, uh, again, having not frequented a lot of of uh, craft beer uh, places as of late, um, I was not familiar with this, and I don't think I think this is relatively rare in this area am i correct um what's funny is is that i would think you would you would have come across it being in the wine world because that's actually where it's more popular well no i've seen it in the wine yeah. world in the tasting rooms and mm -hmm. all of that yeah so, um, because you know it, it, in a lot of places i think the, i think the way most most of the wine bars i've been to or even wine bars or right. stuff it's it's I, I think you tend to find it more in like uh, i know there's some craft beer bars mm -hmm. that have it because it all rotates around the idea of you needing a, um, a, a, a pretty deep menu right. for it to be worthwhile. Right. Because if you only have five beers on tap, yeah. which, well, let's say five to ten, right. as a brewery, you know, it's not worth the investment. Right. You know, because there's a lot of investment with respect to the equipment. And you've got to look at it from the standpoint of, well, I've already spent all this money on the brewery side, and now you want me to spend all this extra money when I could just hire a bartender to do the same thing yes sling a beer at you you know and and yeah. and for my five six seven beers that i'll have on tap yeah it's like sorry that's ridiculous yeah so but if your intention from day one was to have 24 different beers or even you know at a time then it actually makes a lot of sense because um you know as a bartender it'd drive you crazy Right. Trying to give people samples of 24 different beers, you know, or, or you'd have you'd be cutting people off. I mean, you you would basically make the experience a no win from the start, mm -hmm. because as the consumer, you'd be like, oh, I'd love to tr taste that. Oh, I'd love to taste that. It's like there's eight beers I like to taste. And as a bartender, you're like three tastes minimum. Yeah. And then, you know, you immediately you're like, well, that sucks. <laughs> you suck. You're not getting yeah. a tip, you yeah. know, because yeah. it's like, well. If all I did was give you taste, I'd never pour beer, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, as a bartender, you know, you're not thinking I need to be giving free, you know, half ounce tasters to people. I need to be pouring full beers for people. Right. You right. Know? Well, what we're talking about is this, you have a self-service tap room, mm -hmm. uh, tap wall, where you're given a card just like, uh, you know, uh, like I said, the tasting room is, a, is another business that has one of these types of machines. And you just uh, stick in your card, and you can get as much of whatever yeah, just beer. Just pay, pay by the ounce. Pay, pay by the ounce. Yep. Pay by the ounce. So, um, no, I think that's that's great. And since so, since you have such a deep menu, uh, is was bringing on a brewer part of that thing, or were you prepared to? No, make we that were menu? prepared to just wing it. To be honest, right? You know, it's funny. Like I said, that was very serendipitous, and you know, now that I think about it, the uh, self serve wall falls in that same category mm -hmm. because um, 
the self-serve wall didn't become a um, even like a, a didn't even show up on the radar until uh, November. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, and it's funny, I still had not even seen one. I was just researching um, television menus, mm-hmm. like you know, like using a TV to right. do your to do your beer menu, right. and. I saw this hanging over a self-serve wall because I'm using like Untapped, their right. their Untapped for Business, their system. Okay. And they just sh- they just showed a picture of it over a self-serve wall, and I looked at it and I was like, "Hey, that's a great idea, <laughs> self-serve wall." So again, yeah. from the be- from the start, it wasn't even in the plans. Yeah. Well, that's I, I think I mean. But that's the nature of, I think, most businesses, right? Well, it's the nature of some businesses. I mean, you know, you, you, you kind of make your own luck. That's why I put it. I mean, there, there are several people probably looked at that same ad that you looked at and didn't, say, didn't, make, didn't make that connection. <laughs> so give yourself some credit because, you know, uh, uh, opportunity is being able to recognize it. I that's, guess so, that, yeah. that's, been, that's been my experience. So, um, so let's talk about the beers that you offer. Okay. Um, how do you make the, this, that decision? I know you say you're just kind of wing it and, it's, and there seems to be a lot of experimentation. I, yeah, I would say, you know, when you've got 24 taps you can fill, uh-huh. that should give you plenty of real estate for um, being broad. Okay. I, you know, right now what we're doing is, is we are literally just trying to offer a few light beers, a few hoppy beers, a, a few dark beers. Um, right now Belgians are really big for us, so a few Belgians. Yeah, if you offer three or four of any given type, you've got six types that you can choose from, Yeah. right? Yeah. So that's basically all we're doing. We're just kind of looking at the menu, and then uh, we do actually take people's advice. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've got, uh, we, we don't advertise, but we try to stay really upfront with social media, and I got a guy who keeps bugging me about a Hefeweizen, you know? And I'm like, all right, it's in the, it's in the to-do list, yeah. you know, and... and you know, it's it's one of those things where, uh, you know, we just want to offer. If, if if you don't like hoppy beers and there's some light, you know, light offerings. Mm-hmm. If you do like hoppier beers, there's some of those offerings. You know, so that's basically it. I mean, I wish I could tell you it was very scientific or anything like that. Oh. But the one thing that we haven't done yeah. is we haven't repeated a beer. I oh. think we're on our 42nd batch of beer, and we have not repeated one yet. And have you had people disappointed? Oh, that yes, yes. Yeah. We've had people say, oh, we really loved your, uh, your oatmeal stout, and, right. and we liked it. Like, well, we just, brewed, um, we just brewed a banana split stout. And so, you know, it's like, uh, or, you know, we're re- releasing a Russian Imperial, uh-huh. you know. Um, and so it may not be the, it'll be a stout, you know, for example, or we brewed a um, kind of a clone of uh, Guinness. So did a you know which would be a dry stout, right, right, and so uh, that'll be available probably next week. So oh. you know we ran out of the uh, oatmeal stout that we did, and right. that'll be our first nitro nitro beer because we mm. haven't actually haven't done a nitro beer yet. Okay, we have nitrogen, we just haven't done it, you know. Right. And so uh, anyhow, that is uh, that's pretty much what we're doing. We're just trying to. I, I think the reason why we just haven't um, repeated anything. Uh-huh is because, um, you know, that's kind of, the, if, if it were me, if I were, again, if I were patronizing this place, right. if you make a good beer, yeah. 
then chances are you could probably make another beer that's also good yeah that i could relate with but it doesn't have to be the exact same beer mm-hmm. you know and and i think that uh you know that's just like wine right i mean you can yeah. change one grape in the variety and then you know does it change it dramatically no but does it change enough to where you can taste it and go oh that's nice you know or you know, it's different and then it, that's kind of where we're where we're staying in yeah you can be a little bit more nimble than wine yeah, that's probably probably the case. Yeah, because yeah, you, you change the wrong grape and wine, you yeah. might really take a take a hit. So yeah, we just try to we just you know we just try to keep a few categories. Yeah. But um, I mean, does that mean our kind of my running joke is, is we're going to try to hit a hundred batches without repeating anything? Yeah. And, uh, and is it possible that we could you know hit a thousand batches without repeating anything? Probably not. It's pretty high up there but uh i think we easily hit 100 batches without so 100 different beers before we say oh let's brew this beer again you yeah. know and uh well if you're you know if you're making quality beers and it sounds like you are and you're getting good uh uh people like what you're producing then so so great. far i haven't had any person say i need to i need to speak to a manager or the owner and say <laughs> you know what I came here for this beer, right. this particular beer. Like our, we had a blonde blonde ale, which right. was very popular. Right. And you know, it's all. I, I came here expecting to get the blonde ale, but man, I really like your your IPL. You know, and yeah. it's like nobody has said, "Fooey on you, I'm never coming back" because you don't have that beer. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. And that's it for part one of my conversation with Rich Mack of BC Brewery. I hope you tune in next week. I'll also be speaking to Dave Magisberger, who is the executive chef of BC Eats, which is their food concept. It's a great food truck that's right outside, and we can talk about all the delicious food they serve. Don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud or whatever platform you're listening to. And please go to our Facebook page, the number one, two podcast and like us there and also follow us on instagram at the number one two podcast as usual all of our music is supplied by cadillac grip if you're in denver or boulder colorado go see cadillac grip play because if you ain't hip to the grip you just ain't hip the number one two podcast was written produced engineered mastered and screwed up by me i'm howard fletcher thank you for listening see you soon she taught me my recipe, review all my ABC. Say thank you to please. I said my mom.